What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West, because who else would it be, people? And as always, I really hope you like it. I got a great show for you today, but before we get started, we've got to take care of some very important, dare I say, urgent business. And the business is this. Have you gotten your tickets yet to West Love Fest? You heard me right. West Love Fest, our next epic virtual concert and experience is taking place this weekend, Valentine's weekend, and I don't want you to miss it. That's why we've got five different showtimes throughout the weekend on the 12th, 13th, and 14th of February. So no matter where you live around the country or around the world, you can find the showtime that works for you. I want you to join us. Now, this is not just a Valentine's concert, so don't let the name West Love Fest fool you. Now, it is a great way for you to surprise that special someone because you know you don't have any plans. You can let us bring the date night to you. But if you're single or you want to hang out with your family, this is not just a Valentine's show. In fact, we're celebrating the one-year birthday of my album Brand New, which brought us songs like The God Who Stays and Truth Be Told and a bunch more. And to celebrate, the band and I are playing the album from top to bottom. In addition to that, you're going to get to see the whole family. My dad's going to join us with some dad jokes. We've got some funny sketches. I'm not going to give them away yet, but just trust me, you don't want to miss it. So go to MatthewWest.com to get your tickets now. You can also find some really cool VIP packages that include uh, personal autographed lyrics that I'm writing to Truth Be Told or a special pre-show VIP. You can even donate a ticket or gift a ticket to that special someone who you're separated from this time of year. So go to MatthewWest.com and at checkout, use the code CUPID. And just for listening to this podcast, you're going to get five bucks off your ticket. Go to MatthewWest.com, use the code CUPID, and get your tickets to West Love Fest, or else you will regret it for the rest of of your life. <laughs> All right, let's get on with today's show. I think I have the perfect guest for Valentine's Day. He is America's favorite bachelor. He was on season whatever, I don't remember the number, but it was in 2016, and he's an awesome guy. But today we're talking about much more than The Bachelor. We're talking about his story, we're talking about the importance of his faith, and we're talking about some of the great work that God's using him to do all around the world. This guy is about a cause greater than himself, and I loved every second of this conversation. Let's go to the story house with my friend. His brand new book is called Alone in Plain Sight, and we're going to talk about that too. Let's welcome Ben Higgins. You're an Indiana guy? Warsaw, Indiana. It's like a, it's a town north, northern Indiana, uh, about an hour south of South Bend. But I went to IU. I went to Bloomington for college. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, but I had, had some friends from Warsaw, Indiana. I know that that area very well. So you went to IU. Uh-huh. I did. I, I My parents all went to Purdue. I went to IU. Um just because I want to be different, I guess. Did that get you in any trouble? I mean, did the colors run deep? What, what What's the, wait, Boilermakers are what, like gold and? Black. 
Golden Black, does that run deep? That word runs deep in the family. But <laughs> my parents actually went to IU on a visit, right? When I went there and they left, I'm like, no, this is a great place. Like, this is a beautiful campus. Like, yeah. we get it. And so they've kind of now, I feel like they're the the one Purdue fans in the state who can kind of cheer for both. Because that's rare. It's like a Chicago, you know, the, when you're in Chicago, you don't cheer for the Sox and the Cubs. You pick one. Yeah, and anybody that doesn't cheer for the Cubs is crazy. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. I knew I liked you. I knew there were several reasons why I was going to like you, but that's a good one. That's yeah. a good start right there, dude. Yep. So, uh, I played one of my uh, when I was in college. I went to like this little school in Decatur, Illinois. I call it the Harvard of Central Illinois, but Milliken uh-huh. University. But we would. I was just starting to book my own shows, and one of my biggest gigs I got was this frat house hired me from Indiana University. I can't even remember what fraternity it was. And I went and I played a a frat house at IU. So that was my one experience on campus. But it was a beautiful campus. It was not a beautiful frat house. Yeah, I'm sure that frat house was calm and peaceful and very quiet. They really, yeah. (laughs) Let's just say it it wasn't a Bible study. (laughs) (laughs) No, I doubt it. Now, did you go to school the same time Cody Zeller, he was a guest on the show. We've been friends for a handful of years now, but did you guys go to school at the same time? Uh, yeah, he was two years younger than me. Um, but so it was interesting. I played uh, AU basketball for the same AU team that Cody played for, but I was just older. And then I blew out my knee, but I went to IU and a couple of my buddies who played AU with me went to IU. So I ended up rooming with them because they were playing for IU. And I was just the friend that sat there and waited for them to get home every night from their uh. games. Uh, so I got to know Cody well. I actually remember. Um, yeah, it's a funny story. So Cody came on a visit. He was a big time recruit. And uh, one of my best friends, Corey, was responsible for taking him out. And usually when you take a recruit out. You know, they want to get wild. Like they want right. to, like, right. it's, you know, they want to see the campus. They want to see the frat houses. They want to feel like king. Well, Cody shows up and Corey's the perfect guy for this. And he's like, I don't want to go out. Uh, I want to go see the gym. I want to go see the practice facilities. And then uh, I want to play pranks on people that are going to the bars. And so Cody's just a unique bird, man. He's like a senior in college, he's the number one recruit in the country. And all he wants to do is sit inside this little apartment building and play pranks on people. And that's what we did. And then he ends up committing. And so uh, <laughs> that's amazing. He, he's just always been, I mean, he's just always been funny. He's always been intriguing, uh, but he's always been a great dude. Uh, yeah. Consistently just a good dude. Yeah. I would expect nothing less from Cody Zeller than to be that guy and how he's continuing to stand strong in his faith, you know, in the NBA lifestyle. Was that hard for you going to college after blowing out your knee and not like, did you have dreams in high school of continuing to play sports? I mean, I know that was yeah. a big dream for me from high school to college and it never happened. And it was really kind of culture shock for me to go to another campus and not be known for sports like I was in high school. Was that a similar thing for you? Oh, definitely. Especially when all your buddies who you played with uh, are playing for in the Big Ten, right? And you're going to these games, you're sitting in this crowd and there's 20,000 people yelling and you're sitting there yelling too. Uh, I'd say the hardest part was just the identity switch Uh, from being an athlete, from having it kind of consume your life, being the focus of everything you do, and then having it ripped away in one second, like literally just ripped from you in one second and then have to figure out who the heck you're going to be. 
and what you're going to do and, and where you fit in and who you associate with. Like my buddies in high school, even my senior year were going to basketball practice and I wasn't. Um, so yeah, it was really hard. I think it was like, uh, it was a defining moment, you know, for me just to kind of figure out like, now that I'm not an athlete, who am I? Yeah. What was the turning point? Like, was it during your freshman year where you were dealing with that the most, or did you have a light bulb go on where you found another passion or interest? Oh man, I would love to say it came easy. Uh, I'd say most of my college was still spent living in my glory years. Uh, is, you know, I considered transferring to go to a smaller school to play basketball or play football. I kind of like tossed that around every year over the summer on maybe I'd go back and try. Uh, and then finally, um, I had to really hit rock bottom. Uh, I think it not even came from like the lack of sports, but it came from me. Like, uh, I got super addicted to painkillers for like two years of my life after I blew up my knee. Um, and then at some point I kind of woke up to the fact that like, I, this was not a good path to go on. Like I can't continue to, uh, take these things. And so I kind of stopped cold turkey. I just kind of like quit. Um, I was over it. And at that point, like as I started to like kind of sober up, started to have like some of the withdrawal symptoms, um, I think it hit me that like I was, I don't know why now, but like kind of, I, you have to hit rock bottom before you can start bouncing back. And I had hit rock bottom. And so I started bouncing back and I started, started seeing that I do have a purpose outside of these sports and that I, I could actually still have an impact in this world, even if those are taken, if sports was taken away. So it's a slow, kind of a slow fade back to a place where I could figure out who I was going to be and what I was going to be about. Hmm. And, and so what was behind the decision to become a business major business degree from IU? Is that right? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, I'd love to have a great answer to this. Uh, (laughs) I didn't make it into our like uh, really good business school, uh, which is (laughs) Kelly. Uh, I I don't know if it's still called Kelly. It was Kelly at the time. It was like the top five business school in the country is great. I didn't get into that one. Uh, what I got into is the School of Public and Environmental Affairs, which is still business. It's for-profit uh, uh, business kind of studies. It's, it's, it's not uh, publicly traded companies. It's anything that is either privately owned or that is for purpose. And so I kind of went into it because it was an option to me. And I got a business management ma- degree because it was the most general degree I could think of at the time <laughs> that would look fine on a resume. Yeah. Um, and and so I did it. And, and it was gr- a great education. I, I'm a huge fan of SPIA at Indiana University, a massive fan of it. But uh, there isn't like this beautiful like, oh, I chose to do this. No, it's just like it was the only place that accepted me. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to leave IU. So I guess I'm going to stick around and try it. Isn't it funny how at different chapters of our stories, we're going to have times where there's multiple doors that are open and we got to pick which one to walk through. And then there's times where God makes it very simple for us. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one door that opens. Well, I guess I should walk through it. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's kind of been like the story of my life is like anything when, when things get complex, I shut down. When things are simple, I, I can handle it. And uh, and I need only like one door to open up. Uh and uh, I can't have four or five because I just paralyze in confusion. I'm the same way, man. It's like a, and it, it's in the smallest things too. Like take me to a restaurant where there's no menu and they just bring me the food. I'm happy. Oh, you show okay. me like cheesecake factory rest menu. Oh. I, I just want to leave. It's 3000 pages long. I can't decide. It's overwhelming. No, <laughs> well, it's a great example of life. Yes. That's ex- <laughs> Yes. I feel you. You got so many things going on. One of my favorite things you're doing and throughout the pandemic year, I would, I would, flip on Instagram and come across your account and you'd be going live in a series called hope still wins. Mm. 
And uh, the title caught my attention because it felt like a title that our world needed. Tell me about the idea behind that. Yeah. So the idea was, uh, well, you know, I was hosting a, a tour at the time of COVID hitting and uh, I got off tour and I was sitting at my fiance's parents' house because um, that's where we quarantined um, for three months and uh, nothing was happening in my life. Like everything that I was working on, anything I was doing, the book was done at that point. The tour had ended because of COVID. Uh, and I was just kind of sitting around with my agent calls and he's like, why don't you start uh, doing something during this time that you really love, like uh, just something that you're passionate about and just like staying fresh and being able to talk to people and converse and understand people's stories. And so that's where the idea of Hope Stoke Wins came from. But the concept of it is that we bring on um, some people that I admire, uh, that inspire me, uh, that I've watched for years of my life, um, great thinkers, people from all different backgrounds, different belief systems, uh, people from different races. Uh, and we just asked them the question really wide away, like, what are you learning? Where are you going? And at the very end, we ask the same question every time is, do you believe hope still wins? If so, why? And if not, why not? And we've had interesting uh, answers to that. Some people don't believe hope still wins. Uh, some people do, and they tell us why. And it's really a place, um, you know, the hardest part about what we're in right now uh, is obviously there's a lot of injustice in the world that we're starting to reveal. But the hardest thing right now is uh, the lack of conversation we're able to have around it. Um, there's a lot of people really confused. Uh, there's a lot of people really frustrated. There's a lot of people very angered. Uh, and we're not holding any space to learn, to be curious, to understand. And ultimately, like, I, I mean, I always have grown up and believe that if we can get to a place of understanding, if we can he hear people's stories, it's going to be really hard to dislike yeah. them. It's going to be really hard to not want to be on their team or on their side or try to sit beside them. And so hopes the ones is the place where we can converse, the safe place that we can share differing opinions, but have a conversation about it. What's your answer to that question? Does hope still win and, and why? It's interesting. I've learned a lot about this answer uh, from my time doing the show. You know, I've had guests who tell me uh, we don't know if hope still wins because hope needs a past to look back on uh, to have a future to be hopeful for. And we have to be aware that there's people out there who don't have a past that has been anything but struggle. You know, I do a lot of work in Central America and uh, there's kids that, you know, die from starvation and dehydration and disease at a really young age because uh, there's nothing there for them. But that doesn't, and that's something to always consider when we answer this question is that there's people really hurting in this world. Yeah. Um, but I believe hope still wins because it's a choice to believe in it. I want to live... Uh, I want I personally and I, and I would like to be surrounded by people um, that want to hear about the kid in Honduras or the kid that's hurting and then go and do something about it to fight the injustice they're facing. And in that um, that decision of bringing hope of bringing a better future is hopeful. That is mm. allowing hope to win. And I believe it still it still does and always will. But I don't believe it's as simple I don't believe that it's as easy as what I have purposely made it for years in my life. I think it's gritty. I think it takes a lot of action. I think it takes a lot of work. I think it takes a lot of sweat and blood and attention. I think it takes a lot of time. Uh, hope is this beautiful word that is encouraging and it's one to celebrate. Uh, but my definition of hope is looks different because I think it is gritty. I think it is hard. I think it is tough, but I think it's beautiful. And, and when we don't see hope, 
you know, the, the question is, are we being hope? Mm. You know what I mean? And so for us to be the ones who are going to take it upon ourselves, tell me what, tell me about this work in Central America. Does this have to do with generous coffee as well? Tell yeah. me what's going on and what you've seen there. Yeah. So I'll, 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 I'll speed this story up, but, uh, I went to Central America as a 15 year old uh, and saw the injustice and the poverty for the first time. It kind of it broke me. It just changed everything, every view I ever had in this world. Nothing was simple anymore. And uh, years later, my buddy created a nonprofit to kind of combat and bring hope to the people that are hurting. And his idea was, hey, let's not go down there as the saviors. Let's go down there and ask them what they need, what they want, and what they dream of and allow them to lead us. And we'll just kind of follow behind and help out where we can. Yeah. Um, that's organizations called Humanity and Hope United. Okay. Well, I go on The Bachelor and Humanity and Hope United's fundraising went way high because I had a platform that was different than anything we'd ever thought I would have. And I talked about it a lot. And people were really willing to donate and to help out with their time and their resources, which is incredible. But we also knew that wasn't going to last forever. I'm not going to be The Bachelor forever. And who knows how long you know social media will be around. And so we had to find a sustainable way to fundraise for this organization. Uh, and, uh, and that's where generous comes in. So generous is a for-profit for purpose business that myself and a few guys founded. The differentiator with generous is that when we founded it, our operating agreement, we all agree the owners will never monetarily benefit from owning generous. Wow. Everything will be given away, uh, upon our successes, more will just be given away upon our failures. We just have the burden of the risk. Uh, that we are a company that sells mostly coffee. And so if you're out there and you're listening, you're like, hey, I want to help out this company. Coffee is kind of our go-to. Uh, we also have apparel and cups and um, hats and stuff like that. Uh, but coffee is kind of where our bread and butter lies. Uh, we, sp- we sell specialty grade coffee online. Uh, it's delivered to your door. Uh, and then we it. donate 100% of our profits to nonprofits and social causes that are out there fighting human-facing injustice. Well, see, now I feel bad because one of my questions was going to be, I'm such a huge coffee lover that I was going to ask, like, what do I need to do to get some free coffee? But now it's like, no, I'm going to go <laughs> I'm gonna go buy some coffee and support generous. Where can people uh, find out how to order their coffee and, and their, uh, you know, their merch as well? Yeah, uh, so it's generouscoffee.com. Uh, you can go on that. Um, it's really cool. Our, our sweatshirt or our T-shirts are made from uh, single mothers in Haiti who uh, put them together. They're paid way above minimum wage uh, for the U.S. even and inc- incredible facilities. And they're made out of plastic water bottles. It's just it's been really cool to see all these companies that are for purpose that we're able to kind of help promote and get onto. Like there's a ton out there, man. People are really trying to make this world a better place. And here it was that one door that opened for you to yeah. get that degree has prepared you to to know how to navigate this kind of path. How do you just out of curiosity, how does what was the name of the organization again? Hope Human, for, Humanity and Hope United. Humanity and Hope United. Now, did they help you find the single mothers who are producing like how do you locate and and educate and prepare them to do that? Like that's just incredible. Yeah. So it's actually through a company called Allmade. Uh, all made is awesome. You should go and check them out. If you're ever doing merchandise, um, they have tons of stuff that are sustainably sourced, environmentally friendly. They have stories behind them. Uh, it's just an incredible company that was created by a bunch of big, uh, textile, uh, manufacturers who said, Hey, we want to do something to get back. And all made was created. I think you can, I think it's It's awesome.com. Um, and that's how we found them. And so once you kind of enter into this for purpose world, the coolest part about it 
because uh, I was in the business world for a bit. It's very competitive in the sense of we all want to do good, but we also all want to, I mean, we're all not in it to make money. Like you're not making a, a money on for purpose sales most of the time. Uh, and so it's, it's a very like close community of people saying, Hey, I hear you're doing coffee. I'm doing t-shirts. Can we try to do something together? Or so it's a sense of partnership, really. A hundred percent. And it makes business so much more fun. A guy named Bob Dalton is a good friend of mine. He created sackcloth and ashes, which is a blanket company. It's a one for one model. And, uh, we've done campaigns together where like, he's just sold our coffee from his website. He's huge. They have a huge company just because he cares about us and he believes in us. Um, same thing with many others. So it's just a really cool community and, and you can find them. Uh, in fact, we love, con- one of our favorite things to do is kind of connecting our customers with other companies because it, it kind of is a give back for us too. I love the connectivity there. What's it like, you know, there's for profit and there's for purpose. And I love that shift in terminology, but it's also a shift in mentality and heart and motivation for your life. Do you ever get like, weird looks from, you know, peers who are in the business world or whatever. And they're kind of going, yeah. wait a minute, wait, you're not going to make a pro, you know, or, or do you have people come to you and say, Hey, we could scale this and we could, you know, this could be really profitable. What's that been like? You know, cause I would think that would be sort of a light in a, in the business world where people go, man, what are you up yeah. to and why? Yeah, uh, definitely all the time. Uh, I'd say most of the time, I would love to say it was just the light. I think most of the time it's just confusing to people. It's like, <laughs> right. what, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And it's like, well, yes. it's not supposed to. It's different. I love right? that. Um, yeah. It's our differentiator. It's the thing that separates us is that we thought we could create something um, that we could scale, that we could grow. And the more we scale it and grow it, the more we can give back and the more sustainable it becomes. Um, that's what makes us different. And, and we're glad it makes us different. We're glad it, it brings on the questions um, of what in the heck are you doing? It, it isn't a very attractive investment for anybody uh, when it comes to owning it or putting money behind it. But what the outcome that happens when you have thousands of dollars every year that you can donate and you can see the lives of people hopefully get better from it, it makes it so worth it. And it, it is a mind shift. Mind uh, shift. But like yeah. our, I just stepped down recently as our CEO. I'm now, I'm now just the president, which is good for me. It's a really good thing. Uh, spreadsheets and strategy uh, was it was getting difficult. Our CEO is uh, 40 years old. He sold uh, a share in a company he was a part of, and uh, he wasn't done yet. And this is a perfect fit for him. It's just to come and work and volunteer his time to see something grow that's good and get back. And so that's the kind of people that we attract. Well, we should be doing something that confuses the world, right? Yeah. You know, I think that that's a good sign that you're that you're on the right path. It's not the safe path. It's like you just talked about hope moments ago about how it it's messy and it's and it's getting in there and it may not always make sense in the eyes of the world. So, I love that you're passionate about that. The usual go-to, I would imagine when people are interviewing you is talking about your days on the bachelor, but the more I was digging into your story, I'm like, man, this guy like he's doing some incredible things. And of course, with your new book that's just come out, you know, I didn't want to, it's like, I don't want to lead by talking about The Bachelor, no offense to The Bachelor, but yeah. like what the Lord's using you in your life and your story to do to impact all around the world. To me, that's the bigger story. But it is amazing to me how, you know, The Bachelor, how does that happen? And, you know, now I got to say there was one of my uh, one of my employees, a female employee. I said, now I'm in I'm interviewing Ben Higgins. And and she said, oh, yeah, he's everyone's favorite 
Bachelor. Now, a lie. Have you trademarked that statement? Everyone's favorite. She's she said not just hers, but it sounds like uh, you really won your way into the hearts of the American people. <laughs> some, some, a select few uh, is are kind enough to say that. Um, you know, it's it's funny uh, being on the show. I've, I said I was actually speaking at a I think it was like a conference last year. And I was standing up on stage and all of a sudden it hit me. Like, I just felt super thankful to be there. Like, I was just like, this is incredible. I, I get to do this. I think it was like a 30 stop speaking thing. And I was like, this is incredible. And all of a sudden it hit me. It's like, you know what? Like the things I'm going to talk about today were going on before The Bachelor, right? Humanity and Hope United started 11 years ago. That was way before The Bachelor. Uh, Generous obviously started after that, but it, it came from Humanity and Hope. And uh, I had been in Central America for years before that even. And I was like, now that I'm on a reality television show, now actually people are listening to me. And that's cool. Like The Bachelor was good for me. And maybe that's why life for me kind of shifted. Like right after the show, that part of my life was over. And uh, I was, I'm very thankful for it. I, I couldn't imagine what my life would be like without the show now. Um, but uh, the the coolest part to me is now I get to be involved and have a seat at the table just like anybody does. Mm. Um but I'm invited to those places more and more because of the show. And, uh, and that's been really fun for me. It's actually, and to close this thought, it, it came after the show was over your pictures on the side of times square. And, you know, you're on people magazine and life starts feeling re- you start feeling really cool. And, uh, I called my buddy and was like, I, I like this, but it's, it's also like when it doesn't happen for a week, I can tell that it's like wearing on my soul. Like I'm, I'm wanting more attention. I'm wanting more relevancy. I'm trying to do what I can to stay in the public eye. Ah. And uh, and so uh, he looked at me and he goes, well, how about you start making this something bigger than yourself? Maybe this was never supposed to be about you. Maybe the focus should never have been about you. What if you tried to shift this towards something greater than any of us? And that's why, you know, I sit in the place I do today um, and I've been able to do the things I've been a part of because it's never been about me the last few years. And it's made it a lot better. And that was a friend that spoke that into your life. Yeah, he's a good friend. That's a good friend. Same friend, uh, same friend that uh, was on the IU basketball team that took Cody on his visit. So he's a good friend. <laughs> Man, well, I mean, but to have a voice like that speaking into your life and, and sounds like that was a real game changer. So, I mean, is that been, would you say, the main takeaway? Just how being on national television has given you this incredible platform. You're obviously taking that platform and doing great. You've taken your friend's advice. I would say it's, it's, it's clear to see. Uh, yeah, I think it's the best takeaway. I think I think it would be considered for me like the the most fun takeaway uh, to to be able to be a part of these things and these projects. I think there's a lot of takeaways. Like personally, there's a lot of takeaways. Um, the show itself really pulls out some vulnerability and some deep deep thought about yourself and who you are and where you're going. Uh, I think a platform. Um, I think like we said earlier, like is a great responsibility. Um, but it's especially, especially really scary today. Um, I just heard Jason Bateman talking about how, how he has his new podcast and how he, he walks this thin line all the time. Cause he doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know how to feel. He doesn't know how to converse. He doesn't know how to say something with the willingness to be wrong and allow, um, and allow people to think. So like what I'm saying is the platform has been awesome, but it also is a responsibility that I hold, um, close to my chest often right now because it's, it's tough. Um, So it hasn't all been like just rainbows and butterflies.
You guys might know a song of mine called Truth Be Told. Well, I'm going to let the truth be told right now. It's no secret 2020 has been a hard year for everyone. For many of us, maybe the hardest year we've ever had to face. There's been more than one moment where I felt like my spiritual health, my mental health, my emotional health were being threatened and even weakened, you know? The proud person that I am has a hard time admitting when I need help, when I need to talk things out with somebody. But here's a newsflash. There are not enough self-help books in the stores to give me the strength and the wisdom that I need or that you need to rise up and face every every obstacle that comes our way in a year like 2020. We can't do it alone. We need help. I want to tell you about my friends at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. BetterHelp wants to assess your needs and then match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Then you get to connect in a safe and private online environment. It's super convenient and you can start communicating with your counselor in under 24 hours. Now remember, this is important and this is why I support BetterHelp. It's not self-help, it's professional counseling. They have licensed professional counselors specialized in areas like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, anger, family conflicts, and the list goes on. They've got a counselor for you. And I hope that every episode of this podcast fills you with hope and fills you with encouragement to know that the best of your story is ahead of you. But sometimes you need to speak to somebody. And if this service can help you, I want to make that possible. I want you to start living a happier and more fulfilling life today. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com MWP. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MWP. You guys, with all the stuff that I'm juggling these days, I have learned the importance of finding the right people and putting them in the right place to help me, whether it's with the podcast or the music I'm making or the management company I've started. And I have spent so much time searching for the right people. Well, let me tell you something. If you're using anything other than Indeed for your hiring, you're wasting your time. Indeed.com is the hiring site. They help you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. So you can do the part you really need faster meeting and hiring great people. Now, unlike some other hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster. There are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. Now, this is what Indeed does. They search through millions of resumes so you don't have to. They've got them in their database and they'll help show you great candidates instantly with Instant Match. You see a great list of candidates with zero weight. Now, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. That's pretty awesome. Want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash West. Indeed.com slash West. The offer is valid through March 31st. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash West. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. I was super uh, excited to have you on in the month of February because, uh, you know, it's it's Valentine's month, you know, and a former bachelor. Like, I'm, I'm guessing that uh, your fiance expected you to be the expert on all things romance and yeah. roses, right? I mean, does she have higher expectations for you uh, 
that you should be the one who's who knows how to take the big elaborate dates and do all the things right you the bachelor taught you well right yeah the bachelor yeah it's hilarious because february you know people reach out a lot like about dating advice and romance advice and i was like you guys under gotta understand like the reason i was even on the show is because i suck at this like <laughs> i'm not good at this like don't don't think of me as an expert i i just can try out so then i get engaged uh and no i, I think her expectations uh aren't too high. One of the benefits is she's never seen me on the show. Oh, that's good. Uh, so that's, that's a big benefit in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. it's, it's healthy for our relationship. Um, but, and the fact that like, I don't have the millions of dollars to buy a helicopter to fly us out to Aspen for the weekend. <laughs> See, so, that's what I would wonder if, yeah. if you're dating someone and they're expecting, you know, the helicopter to Cabo or whatever. And you're like, wait a yeah. minute, that was all production budget, but uh, nothing's better than, uh, after, you know, a relationship ended from the show and I kind of started to get it back out there and date again. And I've gone on these dates and whatever. And, uh, people would like sit down at dinner with me and they'd be like, so like, what's life like now? Is it exciting? I'm like, well, no, I have to go to work tomorrow morning in my cubicle in the basement of the software company. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I bought a house four years ago. It's 700 square foot and I live in it. Um, I'm trying to pay off my car and they're like, this is, I'm like, I was on the bachelor. I'm not an actor. Like, you don't, yeah, this is not, yeah. <laughs> this is just like, nothing's handed to you here. So here's a question, just one dating question while we're in the month of February and I'm talking to, you know, the man here, uh, everyone's favorite bachelor, according to, uh, one of my uh, employees. But, um, I was auditioning to get a record deal, Ben. And, uh, I met my wife at the audition. She worked for the record label. Now I had nothing, right. I'd been rejected by every record label and this beautiful girl works at the label and we, we hit it off and started dating. But I knew because, because I wasn't already, you know, I wasn't Tim McGraw. I wasn't, you know, already arrived with some hit songs. I knew that she was picking me for me. You know yeah. what I mean? She she saw the potential, <laughs> but yeah. she loved me for me. I'm curious to to be and I and I know you've got a great girl who loves you for you, but were you concerned like coming off of this national celebrity and like you said your face on a billboard? Um I would imagine the dating process became harder and you know, how important was it for you to make sure that when you found the one, which you found that, that she was in it because she loves you for, for who you are and not what you do or what show you were on. Oh, so important. Um, and you can read through that pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, it's not too hard to see what people's intentions are. Uh, when I met Jess, you know, I Instagram messaged her. So I reached out to her. I saw her picture randomly when I was in Nashville and, and messaged her the, the other uh, side of that is uh, I'm very thankful for the show because I got this blue check mark and I'm sure she got tons of DMs. She's a beautiful girl in her life. And so uh, I know my blue check mark helped help my message rise to the top. Um, <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yeah. So that's a big deal for me. Uh, <laughs> but it's super important. I, I, I think also over time, um, what is our future interest? Like how do they align? Uh, you know, when it comes to family, monetarily, uh, spiritually. And so as those things started to align, it, uh, you know, it, it was kind of like any concern would have been crushed really quickly. Uh, yeah. But you can always see through it. You can always see the ones that like you sit down for 10 minutes at dinner and then all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, talking about other people from the show and if Chris Harrison is cool or not, uh, right. you know, and it's like, eh, 
this isn't this isn't going to help you get to know me any better. Man, I'm so glad that you've found the one and uh, you've got this new book. It yeah. just came out and I was struck by the title. I loved the title and I loved the idea of it coming from the mind of somebody who has been in plain sight by being on national television. So the title is Alone in Plain Sight. And we started out our talk together and, and you talked about uh, your struggle with painkillers early uh, after an injury and the struggle to find yourself in college. And then fast forward to you're on national television, you're The Bachelor, you're America's sweetheart, all of these different things. And here you are now, you're for purpose, you're doing some amazing things, you're, you're about a cause greater than yourself, which is where life really starts to get good. And you decide to write a book and you decide to call it Alone in Plain Sight. Can you unpack the significance of that title as it relates to your story? Yeah, 100%. So uh, it's interesting, on the show actually, a producer came up to me. He's a good buddy of mine now. He didn't know me back then. I was a month into The Bachelorette. And he came up to me. He's like, Ben, I don't like you. I was like, all right. And he's like, I don't like you because I don't know you. You don't allow anybody to get to know you. We don't know anything about you. And so at that moment, we sat down. We had a four-hour conversation uh, about who I was and why I felt like uh, he didn't get to know me or why I felt like nobody really knew me. And what it came to is the fact that like I did and I knew it, I held on to this insecurity my whole life that I, was, I wasn't likable, that I had to be a chameleon. And when I couldn't figure out how to be a chameleon in social situations or around people, then I just kind of held back and stood against the wall and listened. Ultimately, though, uh, that wasn't working in my life. It made me feel very isolated, very alone, very misunderstood. And so I mentioned it on The Bachelorette. I said, hey, I feel unlovable. I feel unlikable. And uh, it was a moment of vulnerability for me that then once the show aired, uh, thousands of messages rolled in from people saying, I feel alone as well. Or, I feel unlikable as well. or I feel unlovable as well. Well, I kind of held on to that for years uh, and I was getting better at it. Once you kind of release and speak of your vulnerabilities and insecurities, there's moments then that you can start to work on overcoming them. And so I was starting to overcome them, but I was still feeling it at times and I was still coming into people that felt it at times. And so I started writing this book. Um, to be an outlet for those who do feel alone. Now, I would typically tell myself or tell people would typically tell me there's no way you feel unlovable. You were on the show. Like, what are you talking about? And I'd say, no, I do. I do. And I, and I, I need you to understand that I feel unlikable. I feel unlovable. I, like, it's just how I function. Um, and so I started writing this book as kind of uh, a cry for my soul to those who are out there who feel the same way because I know what it feels like to feel alone. I know what it feels like to feel misunderstood. And, uh, and it's not a healthy feeling. It doesn't do any good for you or anybody else. And so Alone in Plain Sight is a call for people to connect, reconnect with themselves, with others in romance. If you're single or in a relationship, both are extremely great things. Uh, and then also with God. That third component you talked about, uh, connecting to God. I know your faith is important to you. Talk a little bit about that component and how how it's helped you through that struggle. Because, you know, I think a lot of times it's like we have a hard time seeing that God could love us because of that struggle. That, you know, whatever's happened in our lives has made us feel that we are unlikable, unlovable. How could God love me when I don't even love myself? Talk about what that's done in your life, why your faith is important to you and how that's helped you really overcome that feeling of being alone in plain sight or unlikable or unlovable. Yeah. Uh, well, um, 
Well, I was talking to my pastor yesterday and I was like, you know what? I decided at, uh, I remember the, kind of the time in my life. I decided I was going to follow truth wherever it may be. Mm. Um, uh, because ultimately, uh, as Christians, we're claiming to know truth or, uh, you know, others are claiming to know truth. I want to follow truth wherever it may be. And Jesus always showed up in my moments of asking for the truth, asking for help, asking for support, showing up. Jesus always showed up. And so if I'm going to consider Jesus to be true, not an idea, not a fairy tale, not a wish, not wishful thinking, if I'm going to consider this God that loves me and that loves us, then it's going to, it's going to change my perspective on the rest of my life. It's mm. going to give me a uh, new purpose. It's going to give me new value, new hope. And so when you ask the question, you know, how can I process that God loves me? Oftentimes I don't understand that. Uh, and I think that's okay. And I wrestle with that. Yeah. I wrestle with the idea that is there really a God that can love me knowing what I know about myself? Is there really a God that can love all of us knowing what we're doing to the world that we live in right now? Is there really a God that cares? Where are you, God? Like these are prayers and questions I ask daily. Where are you, God? I don't I don't I don't see you right now. I don't I don't understand. And the cool part about it is as you wrestle, God does continue to show up. And, and that's how I believe it is because when I ask it, there's that answer. Um, sometimes it comes in a, a little small voice. Sometimes it comes in a good reminder. Sometimes it comes out and sitting on podcasts like this and just kind of talking about, hey, there's some really cool things going on in my life that I don't ever think about because I'm doing them. And now right. I get to sit down and see the blessings right. and the cool things that have been going on. Right. right. And so uh, it's not always easy, though. And that's kind of part of the book, too, is just uh, – is, exp- is kind of opening up the door for people to say, like, if you doubt, if you question, mm. if things don't make sense to you, you're not alone in that. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not at all. Like, in, in fact, I'm right there with you. And I, I want to believe in Jesus badly for many reasons. Yeah. But sometimes it's hard for me to. And it's 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 hard, too, because it's like you, if you're going online and you're doing a show called Hope Still Wins and you're putting out a book and I'm putting out my music and we're trying to be voices of encouragement into the world, people should not for a second think that guys like you and me don't get discouraged even while we're trying to encourage people. People for a second shouldn't think that guys like you and me don't have doubts even when we're trying to help people continue to strengthen their faith because that's the human condition. I mean, we're all going to have that. And God can handle our quest. One of the things that uh, I talk about in every show is I talk about a blue couch story and a blue couch for me is significant in that it marks kind of a defining moment in my life where I was uh, at my childhood home in Chicago, turning the channels on the TV and I was looking for a baseball game, but I found this Billy Graham crusade by accident. And there was a moment there that I, I prayed a prayer that day and I felt like my faith became something that was real to me. And it wasn't just like my family business because my dad was a preacher. I'm curious if there's a blue couch moment in your life. Is there something that comes to mind where there was a defining moment in your faith where you realized, wow, this connection to God is something that I really need in my life? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's multiple though, for me, right. um, uh, not like tens of thousands, but there's a few that come to mind. The one uh, the very first big moment for me was I uh, had found out when in high school that my dad had congestive heart failure mm. out of nowhere. Like he had no previous health issues. Everything was great. Right. I'm an only child uh, in, a, in a middle class home in Warsaw, Indiana, lived on a lake. Life was simple. Life was good. Life was fun. Life was exciting. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting in my classroom one day in high school and the principal comes down and says, hey, you need to come with me. Mm. And I get down to the office and they tell me that my dad has suffered a, a 
well, heart, he is in heart failure. He's in the hospital. It was a, it was a heart attack, but it wasn't a heart attack. Long story short, because he had already had heart failure. So it was like already dying. And so I get, I go to the hospital to see him. And uh, at that point in time, it's a pretty high percentage chance that he's not leaving the hospital. Like he's in bad shape. Oh, wow. So I went back home uh, that night because he was in the hospital. I went back home when I was laying in my bed and I had this really heavy, heavy dream kind of come over me where uh, I, I wasn't really dreaming, but I was kind of awake. I was it. And um, it's just heaviness. And I had these images of my dad leaving me and oh, uh, leaving us. And what was I, what hadn't I said to him? What hadn't we done together? Where was this going to go? And I remember at that point in time, I got out of my bed, I was in high school uh, and I sat down on the floor. I said, I just, I yelled out. I said, God, if you're there and if you're real, I need you now. Like I just, I need you now because if not, I can't do this whole thing alone. Because I think at the time, as I was feeling and seeing and sensing death come over my dad, he's still alive and with us today. He's the mechanical man. He's got pumps and stuff all wow. over his body now. Wow. Yeah, he's never he's never dying. But I, I remember the time as I was facing death. And it's why, and I talk about in the book, death still kind of haunts me a little bit. Mm. Still, I still have some residual effects from that. I was like, if God, if you're not there, now I don't understand heaven. I don't understand hell. I'm not even trying to get into that. But if you're not there and if there is no purpose to this thing, then I don't want to do it either. Mm. As soon as I cut out that prayer, there is just, I mean, it's so simple and it's so weird. And I, I don't want to just like say this and let it be word vomit. But there's a peace that came over to me that I cannot understand. There's a under, peace that far exceeded anything I could have ever done on my own. There was a peace that just kind of wiped over me and made me realize awesome. uh, that there was value here. And that was the moment that kind of changed till this day, my trajectory when it comes to my faith is that moment of crying out. And it's maybe why I enjoy the wrestling so part too, so much too, because it's those moments where I desperately need something. Yeah. Like I need to hear God's voice. I need to know he's close that helped me believe. It is hard because you're exactly right. It's like it's the battles that we would never wish upon ourselves or anybody else. It's the trials that we would never we would never write into our own story if we had the choice. And yet those yeah. are the moments, those refining fire moments that and even the moments that bring us to our knees to that total place of dependence where we're crying out like you did out loud in that weakest moment going, God, I need you to show up. And it sounds like he did show up. And that's why I love asking that question. And I love what you clarified is that there's been more than one, because I think that's the key is that God just doesn't get your attention one time and then you move on with the rest of your life and he stays behind. And, oh, if you ever need a warm, fuzzy feeling, you can remember that moment at church yeah. as a kid. That's the whole message of God's love is that you may feel alone in plain sight, but you are never alone. He is with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And I love that to hear that your faith is that important to you, that as you wrote this book about the feeling of being alone in plain sight, that you're encouraging people to find connection with others and to find connection with a God who, at the end of the day, people are going to let us down. I mean, you and I, yeah. I'm sure we could both swap stories of times we've been disappointed by other people who hurt us or left us or broke our hearts or, or disappointed us or whatever. But the thought that there's always one who can handle when we're wrestling, he can handle when we're struggling, he can handle when we mess up, he can handle when we're discouraged, and he can certainly handle when we're alone because he's with us. I love that, and I think your book 
is going to really touch a lot of people because there's a whole lot of people who feel alone right now. I'd love to just leave on this question for somebody who's listening to this podcast right now. And I'll be honest with you, the feedback that I get from people who are listening to the podcast or who follow our online devotionals, and I bet you get this with your Hope Still Wins as well, Ben, is there are people who don't just feel alone, but they're literally alone right now. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they're struggling and loneliness is a very real thing and they feel alone in plain sight. And that's why I feel like this book is going to be very important for a lot of people. Interviews and, and podcasts and conversations like this are also important. And a lot of people are sharing with me, Hey, thanks for this podcast. Thanks for going online. I, this is my only interaction with people. And it mm-hmm. just, and here I'm going, I have a hard time picturing it cause I have my wife, I've got my daughters, and I can't begin to understand what that's like. To the person who's feeling alone in plain sight right now, what's one last encouragement that you would give to that person to help lift them up in this moment where they're feeling alone? I can promise you that you're not alone. (laughs) Uh, In fact, uh, one of the things I found out by writing the book is that uh, more common than not, our pains and our struggles and our feelings of isolation are are actually the thing that connects us most. that as I interviewed people and talked to people, that feeling lonely, being alone, feeling isolated is actually a very common thread throughout this world and throughout humanity. You know, I could tell you that you're not alone because, you know, God is with you and God loves you. Now, I know at times that's not the answer that anybody wants to hear and it doesn't quite make sense. So maybe the best answer I could give you is that as you sit in the confusion and the wonder and the anger and the sadness, um, know there are others out there feeling that way as well. So here's where the switch comes which I think you once you recognize that you're not alone because others are feeling it and that in itself makes you not alone. Uh, and I talk about this in the book, then you can go out and be a community maker because you've seen what it feels like to be alone. You know what it feels like to be isolated. And so what you can do now, no matter who you are, where you're from, what you've done, you can go out and uh, focus on those who are feeling the same way and tell them your story, tell them how you've overcome it, tell them how you're not overcoming it and how you're still sitting in it. But Connecting with people will be the thing that helps you feel less alone. And we need you. Like if you're listening to this and you're sitting there and you're feeling, I don't have anything to give right now. I get it. And I'm sorry. Um, But there's other people that need somebody to tell them, hey, I don't have anything to give to you, but I just want to let you know that that you're not alone. That's a big thought right now. That I mean, that is a, and I, I don't want listeners to, they're, they're going to need to rewind and listen to what you just said again, because I don't want that to be glossed over. You are needed. You are necessary. You are here on this earth for a purpose. And and I love that you just shared that. And, and there's somebody out there listening to this episode right now that as a result of this conversation, hopefully they will make it a priority. I would even say a necessity in 2021 to seek out community and connection. I, I just think what you've shared here is a powerful message for somebody right now who feels alone. They can be reminded they are necessary in this world. They are needed and they are not alone. I can't thank you enough for joining me. I'm going to encourage everybody to go pick up Alone in Plain Sight. Go pick up 12 bags of generous coffee. Yeah. Get generous highly caffeinated yeah. at generouscoffee.com. Hey, I, I just want to say, man, I am leaving this conversation with just a ton of respect for you and what you're doing. I'm excited for uh, your marriage up ahead and congratulations to you and Jess and just pray God's richest blessings on who will be soon known as formerly America's favorite bachelor, soon to be married. God bless you. I wish you the best with this book, Ben. Great job. And thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Matthew. 
All right, now it's time for Songs from the Story House. Today's song from the Story House is Jesus and You. When the miles are too high for counting And the hills too steep to climb When the world outside ain't making sense And the truth's too lost to find when that line's too blurred for seeing And my wrong's too wrong to right When I'm hanging by that final thread And my strong's too weak to fight I figured with it being Valentine's And since we just got to talk with my buddy Ben Higgins One of America's favorite bachelors Love is in the air, people And so it's only fitting for me to highlight One of my favorite love songs that I've gotten to be a part of Let's take a listen to the chorus of this song you a song, sweet song, singing to my soul. I see a lighthouse in a hurricane, and it's leading me back home. And when I think about the only things in life that pull me through, I hit my knees and thank the Lord for Jesus and you. Oh, yes, I do. Now, I wrote this song with my buddy, Frank Rogers. Now, you may not know his name, but behind the scenes in Nashville, he's one of the best songwriters and producers and publishers in country music. He's written songs and produced songs for Brad Paisley, Darius Rucker, Scotty McCreary. The list is long. In fact, Scotty McCreary is how... Frank and I connected. We wrote a song together one day, and Scotty McCreary recorded it. It was a song called Feelin' It, a feel-good summertime song, and I'll always be thankful for Scotty recording that and making it my first country top 10. But we wrote many more songs than that, Frank and I did, and this was one of those songs that came out of our writing sessions, a song we wrote thinking about our wives and how grateful we are for them. Take a listen to this second verse. kind of sums up how I feel about my girl, Emily. One is saving me a heaven When I leave this world behind And one gives me just a little taste When she holds me late at night They both give grace and it's amazing They both have healing in their hands And it ain't easy but they're both making me a better man Now after we wrote the song, we began to think about who we could pitch the song to. Now for those who don't know, when you're pitching a song, you're trying to find a recording artist to cut and record the song that you wrote. We thought this felt like a country song, so we looked for Blake Shelton or any of those awesome country artists to take this song and make it their own. But there were no takers, and that was always so frustrating. I'll tell you, as a songwriter, there's nothing more frustrating than a song that you love and that you're proud of that just sits in a folder on a laptop and never gets to see the light of day or be heard by the world. And so as I began to work on my all-in record, I kept coming back to this song, and I thought, well, why does it have to be a country song? Why can't I record it? After all, I wrote it. And you know, when I started to think about the theme of the All In album, 
The theme was about going all in in every aspect of your life, you know, first and foremost in your relationship with Christ, but also in your relationship with others. And part of going all in in your relationships with others is to let people in your life know how you feel about them. And that's what this song does for that record. And that's what this song gave me an opportunity to do for my wife, Emily. That's why you'll hear a lot of love songs, at least one maybe on every record. And this was just another way for me to tell my wife, Emily, how lost I'd be without her. And the moral of this song is really this, that there's two things that keep this train from from going off the tracks, Jesus and his love for me, and then the gift that he's given me and my best friend, Emily. I want you to take a listen to my favorite words from the song, this final verse. Why you got a ring around your finger, why he's got scars on his hands, why you both promised me forever, God, I'll never understand. But when I think about the only things in life that pull me through, I hit my knees and I thank the Lord for Jesus and you. Emily, I love you. And Lord, thank you for giving me my best friend to do life with. Take a listen to this final verse and chorus of Jesus and you. And with that, I wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Why you got a ring around your finger? Why he's got scars on his hands? Why you both promised me forever? God, I'll never understand But when I think about the only things in life That pull me through I hit my knees and thank the Lord For Jesus and you I hit my knees and thank the Lord For Jesus, Jesus and you Every day I do, every day So when I think about the only things in life that pull me through I hit my knees and thank the Lord for Jesus and you Oh, I hit my knees and thank the Lord for Jesus and you He's my dad and he gives good advice And that's why this last segment of today's show is called Dadvice Hey, Dad, thanks for being here. Send us out with some encouragement today. Okay, Matthew, I want to share on how important it is to God on how we treat others. In Mark 12, 31, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. In Romans 10, 12, Paul said, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Um, I want us to consider three gifts that we can give to keep our relationships strong. The first gift is give the gift of communication, communicating to others on how you feel about them. Many people have said that going through the trial of this year has taught them to take every opportunity to tell people how much you love them and that you appreciate them. In this new year, don't put off communicating your love to others. Secondly, give the gift of time. Spending time. It's another way to communicate your love. This year, some of us felt like we spent more time with each other than we have ever had. Good things came out of the quarantine time for many families and marriages. A lot of families talked about how they actually sat down at the supper table and ate together and shared together. 
the caution here is that life is going to slowly go back to life as we knew it before the world shut down. Our schedules are going to pick back up. The demands will increase. The financial stress we've been left with will push us to work more, find another job. And with that, the quality time we had been spending together is threatened. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of time because the days are evil. And then thirdly, give the gift of patience. Don't give up on others. The word patient means the capacity to endure or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without becoming angry or upset. First Thessalonians 5 says, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And a good quote to leave us with, when you are tempted to lose patience with someone, just think of how patient God has been with you. And then a quick a shout out to my wife of 50 years. I am so thankful that God not only had patience with me, but that my wife stuck with me for 50 years, and she just made a pledge on August 22nd to go another 50. So three gifts communicate our love, give the gift of time, give the gift of patience. Yes, we can all agree that mom truly is a saint. Dad, thanks for that awesome Devo today and encouraging us to take a brand new look at what we can give in our relationships with others. I love that. The gift of communication, the gift of time. And what was the last one? And the gift of patience. The gift of patience. That's right. I always have a hard time remembering that one. Thanks, Dad. That's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Ben Higgins, for joining me, for his authenticity, his honesty, for sharing his story and letting the truth be told. I'm excited for his brand new book and for you to check it out. We're going to post a link to Alone in Plain Sight, his new book, at the official podcast page. That's matthewwest.com slash podcast. We're also going to post a link to our ministry. I want to thank my dad for joining me every week and bringing an awesome message of encouragement. Our ministry that we have together is called Pop we. And if you'd like to receive more encouraging messages like the one you just heard, we send out a weekly Devo free of charge as our gift to you just to keep reminding you to spend time with Jesus. So you can go to matthewwest.com slash podcast to find out more about our ministry as well. Last but not least, make sure you get your tickets to West Love Fest. Remember, as a listener of this podcast, you're going to get $5 off your ticket when you go to MatthewWest.com to get your tickets. Use the code CUPID at checkout, and I'll see you this weekend, Valentine's weekend, for a very special celebration of the album brand new. And we're celebrating love, my friends. Most of all, the love of Jesus. So join us for West Love Fest. All right, go make the most of the one story that you get. And remember, it's your story for his glory. God bless you. And I'll see you right back here next week on the Matthew West Podcast. Seriously, I, I, I do.